is Tom Jick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three movie podcast for The Hunger Games. I am joined this week by Christian Molodowski. No, it's Laser. (coughs) And with a Hunger Games tagline, Kelly Wand. Hey, Gary Ross, director of Hunger Games. There's this new invention called a tripod. Look into it. Kelly Wan, would you extend that same comment to Paul Greengrass? No, but I'd extend more to Gary Ross. Steady can. All right. Uh, So Hunger Games, we've all seen it. Maybe you've seen it, too. We hope you have, because we're about to discuss it with uh, some very spoiler-specific detail. We'll ruin it for you if you haven't seen it. Uh, but before you go, in case you're thinking, oh, wait, I haven't seen that yet. Uh, hold on. That's Stick how people around. talk. Yeah, that's how they think. I'm, I'm describing your thought process, Mr. Listener or Mrs. Listener or Miss Listener. Uh, before you go, uh, I just want you to know that... <laughs> that's not what I wanted you to know. That's what Kelly Sorry. wants you to know. I, Tom Chick, want you to know that The Hunger Games made a whopping $155 million. Oh, my God. In its opening weekend, it is the number three all-time biggest box office opening weekend ever behind, uh, like, Harry Potter and the Magic Cup Part B. That's number one. And Dark Knight uh, is the number two. Now Hunger Games at $155 million, the number three opening uh, of all time, and the number one non-sequel opening uh, of all time. So it's a, a huge commercial success. On Rotten Tomatoes, 85% of the reviews are positive. Uh, if you look at the audience reviews, 95% of them are positive. What? Yeah. <laughs> Those decent. teenage girls are such a tough room. Such a tough room. Well, the, the self-selecting audience that is going to go to Rotten Tomatoes to rate uh, Hunger Games loved it. Uh, if you go to Metacritic, which shows the average uh, score of reviews, uh, Hunger Games is at 68%. So uh, there's that. Dingus, why don't you tell folks, without ruining anything, tell us a little bit more about this movie that we saw this week. All right, well, this week we saw... Wait, what was it called again? Am I screwing up the title? Hunger No, I just... I can't remember based on what I... <laughs> oh, the Hunger... It's called The Hunger Games. I'm sorry, I just forgot. A.K.A. It's All You Can Eat. All You Can Eat, very good, by the... Uh... Fat Boys, uh, 2012 American dystopian science fiction action drama movie mm-hmm. about a girl trying to survive a reality TV competition. The movie was directed by Gary Ross and written by him with Billy Ray and Suzanne oh. Collins based on her novel, The Hunger Games. Mm. Yay. 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 It stars Jennifer Lawrence. The Hunger Games oh. is rated PG-13 for intense, violent, thematic material and disturbing images all involving teens. Mm. You mean purported teens? <laughs> Putative teens. Not cool. Too soon. <laughs> it was rated 12A by the British Board of Film Classification, by the way. Oh, good. That's very exciting. What does 12A mean? That's a, that's I a don't lot know. of A's. That's like better than AAA. That's four times AAA. 
imagine an American parent trying to figure that out. It's like District 12A, um, but that that's for intense threat, moderate violence, and occasional okay. gory moments. And to achieve that, Lionsgate actually had to cut or substitute seven seconds of digitally by digitally removing blood splashes or the sight of blood on weapons. In in the British version, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. In order to get 12A, they had to remove seven seconds of blood. Huh. So we blood. got that. Here in America, we got seven seconds of blood that the, those pommies over the seas did not get. Exactly. All right. Take that, monarchy. <laughs> See what happens when you don't have a representative <laughs> democracy? Yeah. America is the smartest nation ever, which we already knew. Uh, all right. So uh, there we go. Uh, now, Kelly Wand, I would like you to take over now. And if you could, just give us maybe... I don't know, a, sort of a rundown of the events of the movie. What's a rundown? <laughs> About a pound and a half. Oh, I do that sure viaduct. I, I think we screwed up that, that joke. Uh, oh. oh, maybe a synopsis. How about that? Oh, you mean a hunger gopsis? Awesome. Rock and roll. <clears throat> the hunger gopsis. The time. Mm. The place. The dystopian future country and or continent and or planet of Panam. Panam. Panam? Panam. 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 Although, <laughs> although not really all that dystopian, because at least in this future, you have to actually win a reality show to get famous. As opposed to now where a chick can parlay a spot on the view from coming in 12th for not eating enough fat shit. Panem is Latin for bread, but I don't think it's supposed to be a subtle metaphor for Roman catchphrase. It's just because the 13 districts are loaf-shaped, just as the other continent is called circuses because it's shaped like a three-ring big top and all the residents are lion tamers. <laughs> Plus, if the future is ruled by 18th century French aristocrats, shouldn't it be cake? Jennifer Lawrence is Katniss Everdeen, a banging chick who's quick with a bow, which is kind of a bummer because her district specialty is coal mining. I guess you're not allowed to hunt even precious game in dystopias, but Katniss knows where there's a hole in the fence. She likes to go outside and hang with this nice, doughy, 53-year-old, spotless, carefully coiffed brunette codger named Gail. I'm told that actor lost weight, by the way, for the role, which just smells to me like really stupid casting. But anyway, they become borderline platonic hunting partners, or at least Gale scares off Precious Game when she tries to shoot it and doesn't seem to have any hunting equipment of his own. You'd think at least two other horny young people would know about this choice hole in the feds and go on, quote, hunting parties. But judging from the crowd scenes, Katniss is the only, quote, teenager in this district, except for Gale and the baker's son. His name's Peta because he works with bread. Wait, Hannah's Latin for bread. Does that mean he's a traitor? But Gail's the doughy one. I didn't know there was going to be math in this dystopia. Because a rebellion failed once, the rich aristocracy with colored hair is running stuff makes everybody hold a lottery and pick one kid of each gender to fight all the rest to the death in a CG arena every year. Wait, televising the senseless death of their children is how they stop revolutions? Their flag may as well have a giant bullseye with the words overthrow me on it. The winner of the Hunger Games gets... Uh, I don't think they say. Not to die yet? Is Hamish rich, or does he make his own? When her kid sister's name is drawn by Elizabeth Banks, whose character is that she has blue hair, Katniss volunteers to take her place. 
Wait, you can sub in people? Why not just nominate the two baddest asses in your district? Why even have this fucking lottery? And nobody subbed in for Rue? Fuck you, District 11. <laughs> Racist. <laughs> Peta's name is also drawn, but Katniss has mixed feelings about him, because he threw some bread in the mud near her this one time, which she interpreted as a diss. If only she knew what men are visualizing when they do that. Slick move, wooing-wise, getting picked, Peta. But here comes Gale, who loves Katniss and has been her friend for years. He's there, too, I think, in this scene. Obviously itching to sub in, too. And save the girl he loves. Nope, nope. He's whistling, (laughs) checking his watch. Pulling nervously at his collar. The hypotenuse of this ill-starred love triangle. Little busy today. Thanks, anyway. Can't wait to see who she picks. Katniss and Peta get put on a train to the capital, Distopolis. Peta tries to make small talk, but she's still pissed about the mudbred flashback. As part of their going-away package, they get Woody Harrelson as their mentor. He's a stoner playing an alky, so his long hair and bare feet work either way. He gives disillusioned advice like, Stay alive, and where's the ice chest? They get to the city. Donald Sutherland's president. Remember when he got turned into a robot and virus? Katniss is assigned Lenny Kravitz as her tailor. He makes her a dress that bursts into CG flames when they and the other tributes are put on display and ridden around on chariots to wave and smile enthusiastically for CG crowds before training to murder the other kids at prom. And by kids, one of them is actually kid-sized. A Jaden Smith meets that mute kid from Terminator Salvation who never did anything. And all the other tributes, all of whom look older than the protagonists in Jump Street, were trying to look for comic effect. Lenny Kravitz makes Katniss another dress later, but fucking Gary Ross keeps cutting away before I can see it, or what's under it. Stupid Gary Ross. Katniss is troubled when Peta announces he wants to train separately from her, and she gets mad when the rich fucks pay more attention to a dead suckling pig than her, so she shoots the apple in the pig's mouth. The rich fucks wind up liking this, because deep down they think rebellion is awesome, as long as you can manage it socially. Woody Harrelson likes it too, because apples are bullshit. Peta, it turns out, has a skill for charm, although based on the mud incident, it's only if you're rich and so long as you just picked him by lottery to kill his soulmate. On TV in front of the crowd, he proclaims that he's in love with Katniss. Katniss is all, dude, make up your fucking mind. I thought I was the girl. Peta tells his own mom told him, on the upside, that girl you have a crush on might outlive you. I'm so proud of her. The Hunger Games start. Katniss is shot up through a tube into a forest with the other 23 red-shirt Katnesses. Thirteen of them somehow die without us seeing a single on-screen stab wound or skull caved in. <laughs> You're welcome, England. Personal sidebar. Two years ago, I read this really awesome book about a 13-year-old girl shooting a bunch of other kids with arrows. That's now a movie about a 22-year-old girl not shooting other kids so that PG-13-year-old kids can fucking see it. <laughs> <sighs> Katniss hangs out in a tree, the trunk of which has a camera in it. That's either a huge coincidence, or every tree in this forest has at least one camera in it. If this is live and shown to a studio audience that we've seen, even though it's a four-day event, do they just know exactly when and which camera... Anyway, the guy from American Beauty who thought he was Orson Welles because he liked to film other people's garbage is like the Gary Gygax George Lucas of dystopia. He even has a beard. Even though his tree has his camera in it... Wait, even though this tree has his camera in it... He decides it's too close to the left flank of the arena, so they shoot a bunch of fireballs at her and start a forest fire surrounding her on all sides, although she's on the edge. Katniss takes a leg wound from one of the fireballs. 
wait, are they trying to kill her or just kill her away from the edge? What are the fucking rules of this game again? Why the implication that it's starvation themed? Also, I thought fire was her symbol, although arrows are wood, so it shouldn't be. I'd like to get too close to Jennifer Lawrence's left flank. <clears throat> the bully kids cheer her up a different tree that's not near anything. Remember when Mary and Pippin spent a whole movie riding on orcs or trees and we pretended it was awesome? Pete is among the bullies because the head one, named despite his hulking blondness sinisterly after Inspector Clouseau's lovably racist bumbling sidekick, thinks his being in love with Katniss will, quote, help them find her. Although now that they have found her, they still don't kill him. Why do they want to find her in particular again? Is it jealousy over the CG dress flames or... The tree. Katniss falls asleep in the tree again and wakes to find Jaden Smith in another tree, pointing out a giant wasp's nest that's magically grown next to her head sometime in the past few hours. <laughs> or that both she and the bullies somehow missed seeing all this time. <laughs> Instead of using a stick to safely dislodge it, Katniss heroically saws through the branch so she gets stung too, and it lands on all the bullies and stings them all. Take that, mudbred boy who loves me. Since these are genetically special wasps called cats and jamrins, she trips out and sees the game show host telling her she's having hallucinations, just like he told the audience a few seconds ago in a cut away, even though Katniss didn't see him say this. She also periodically has dreams of her dad dying in an exploding elevator prank on sour in a coal mine shaft, even though she wasn't there for <laughs> I think Lorraine Gary had that, too. Like, she dreamed in Jaws of Revenge of clips from Jaws where she wasn't on the boat. But anyway... Just thought of that. I thought you guys want to know. The bully kids cunningly stack all their own food and ammo into a pyramid in the middle of a meadow, somehow turn it silver, then lay mines all around it, then leave their stupidest, most faceless member alone to guard it with a wooden spear while they all go off to do nothing. Katniss shoots a sack of apples, so the mines blow up all the food. And the bullies get upset at the guard for not noticing Katniss, or another chica ran right by him after cadging a knapsack and snapped his neck like a twig. <laughs> Not her, them. I'm kind of with the bullies on that one. Maybe the wooden spear was a bad accessory to that kid was 0 for 2. This guy announces a rules change. If you're from the same district as another opponent, you both get to live as long as you pretend you're dating afterwards for the TV cameras for the rest of your lives. She goes to find Peta, who's overcome a grave leg wound and being submerged in raging river water to paint his face with CG so he blends seamlessly with the nearby gray rock. <clears throat> See, he used to decorate cakes, so now he knows how to make makeup out of anything that looks like anything, even if his hands are wet, and so long as he doesn't move his head or body or open his eyes for hours afterwards. <laughs> what a superpower. For some reason, he takes this makeup off completely so he and Katniss can make goo-goo eyes at each other in a cave. Although I thought if he'd left it on, it would have been more. <laughs> anyway. Since the games are getting kind of lame, American Beauty invents some CG versions of the Ghostbusters gargoyle dogs to chase Katniss and Peeta to a different part of the country without around it. Two trees, two pyramids, two leg wounds with burns, two ointments. Fuck. Luckily, Peeta's gangrenous leg wound is now magically healed during the night because Katniss grabs some ointment so he can outrun CG as well as her and her leg wound that was magically healed by different ointment the first time she was... The dogs eat the lead bully after Katniss tricks him by shooting either him or Peeta in the arm. I couldn't tell. But then the dogs get instantly bored and wander off in different directions and don't eat him or tear him to pieces or stick around to wait out Katniss and Peeta's immediate cheery descent. 
<laughs> this guy tells them there's been a second rules change that they were just kidding before, so one of them has to die now. But Katniss tricks them back by raising a handful of poison berries, pointing to her and Peeta's bellies, and rubbing her hand in a circle. So the sky's all, all right, third rules change. We were kidding about the second rules change. Anticlimax successful. The games are over. His two stars of the movie have won against all odds. But Donald Sutherland's body language as he goes up some stairs suggests poor sportsmanship equals profitable franchise. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Kelly Wand. Uh, sorry. Endless sorry. Sorry. Oh, thank you so much for bringing up Ghostbusters. You make me so happy. <laughs> See? Uh, Isn't Kelly Wand just so... Yes. Uh, now, you've read these books. Uh, Dingus, yeah. I know you were married to someone who's read these books. I knew nothing about this. Going in, I actually was pretty sure I was going to see a superhero movie. So, as it was starting, my reaction was, "What? what wait, this is Hunger Games? What? <laughs> superhero movie? I really, I don't know. I guess I saw... I'm a little a, unclear on where you got that. Well, I saw a still of Jennifer Lawrence in that black oh, outfit. Yeah. And and that she's got it, yeah, she's got a bow and she's got that pin, which I thought was like, you know, the Justice League emblem or whatever. I don't I don't know. I knew nothing about this and as it became uh you know, it's a young adult fiction version of Battle Royale as sort of a famous Japanese movie, which I think is also based on a book. Um I, I couldn't believe that's what Hunger Games was. All this time I have not known anything about what Hunger Games is. And it's this. It's like a it's like a reality T V comp social commentary thing. What the Really? Good lord. Well, it's a deceptive title. Well, it's deceptive. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> it's deceptive I, because the movie clever. doesn't understand the title. Well, the movie does. Like, I, yeah. I was like, oh, wait, the movie, I think I accidentally figured something out that the movie didn't explain very well, and that's that you put in tickets for food. Like that you, you know, there, there's a shortage of food. So the number of times you submit your name to the lottery determines how many ticket, uh, how much food. you No, get. no, no. Right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Oh. I, I don't know yeah. what the guy who read this book is talking about. But yeah. I thought it was based on like your name goes in a certain number of times, but you can buy your way out of it. If you, well, you know what? I, no, I'm, no. The opposite is true. You, yeah. your name goes in, uh, you know, once for every year, you know, once when you're 12, twice when you're 13. But then yeah. if you want to get a year's worth of whatever, you put it, you, oh, yeah, can, yeah. you can get a Tessera <laughs> and you and so more more tickets go in. That's why Gail has 42. Yeah. And that they, they kind of accidentally explained that to me. I think if I, <laughs> right. if I hadn't been paying closer attention, I wouldn't have I would have had no idea why this was called The Hunger Games. Uh, so that was my first reaction, and my second reaction uh, as it went on was, geez, Pete, this thing was silly and obvious. It looked cheap, and it was so incredibly poorly shot, directed, and edited. God, yeah. Oh, I hated this stupid movie. <sighs> Not to mention shallow. It's it's so entirely shallow. My God, so that, how, how do you how do you how do you go with? And I've since read the first chapter, and the. This book deserves a better movie. I mean, it's not the yeah. best writing in the world, but it's really yeah, but good. It's a really good idea. It's really good intro writing, and it deserves a better movie. It's so shallow and telegraphed. Uh, it's the filmmakers. They suck. I was kind of the only way they could have made that because I like those books a lot. I think they're great. I think she's an it, one of their strengths to me is that she's the narrator. So, and kind of she's kind of this like hard ass 
protagonist, which is sort of unusual in any... Like, Harry Potter was kind of a milk toast. I always thought. And it wasn't even from his point of view. But this is, like, the baddest ass in the dystopia, like, telling you, like, what she's doing to shoot people in the head and survive and stuff. And uh, that's a big part of its power. But, so the only way you could have made this, done this movie just is do, like, a Sam Raimi quick in the dead kind of thing, where you just sort of revel in it. <laughs> I don't know. But that would have taken, I, yeah, I, that would have taken style, and there was just no style. This no movie style. was so chintzy. I mean, I, it, it had yeah. costumes and it had color, but it, it still looked just incredibly cheap. It didn't know how to shoot what little production value it did have, and it didn't have much production value. Like that cornucopia, that Frank Gehry designed cornucopia that <laughs> looks like somebody just plopped it in the middle of a park. That, that, oh, that's their idea of production design? Good lord, that was awful. It looks like a miniature Disney hall. Yeah, that's the Frank Gehry building that we have here in, in L.A. And I was like, what? That's how they're going to do a cornucopia? I, and, uh. and even all of the awful like CG shots of crowds in the city and stuff, like they didn't explore any of that. And uh, uh. God, it was just it, – it really did have – and I've rolled this out before, and I apologize, I'm going to do it again. But it really did have this kind of chintzy made-for-TV feel to it. Uh, I didn't see any budget on screen. Like, there was nothing. The, the crappy forest fire sequence, everything was shot. Like, Kelly Wan, you mentioned handheld. He frames things tightly. Uh, like, there was no sense of any sort of spectacle or scope. Uh, it, it he sucks. Just, he really does. He He's really, really shit. does. Well, and he has the biggest hit movie ever. Now, if you imagine yeah. how much shittier he's going to get now that yeah. he's success in his films. Well, and what really disappoints me, too, is so I was assuming that the novel, I mean, Dingus, you said it was shallow. I completely agree. And I was just assuming, oh, well, maybe that's what they had to work with. But I know I know of people who I think have good taste who love these novels. So I'm, I'm curious, like, what was I'm missing? But, but I think one of the disappointing things is one of the writers, they had the, the woman who writes the novels did the screenplay with the director. I think it's clear the director doesn't know what he's doing. But at some point, this fellow named Billy Ray came on board, and that guy's fantastic. He, did, he wrote and directed a movie called Shattered Glass and a movie called Breach. And he's, he's great. And the fact that they got him on board to do the script, I mean, what happened to whatever work he did? It, it, or does he suck? I don't know. Um, I so, like Gary Ross for everything. Yeah. So what what makes the books good? Because I I could not I wouldn't I could not watch this and think wow there's a cool book there. I, I got no sense of that whatsoever. So Kelly Wan, you mentioned that the the protagonist has more of a sense of voice and personality and is scrappier. Uh, are there other things that we're missing from that, that make the yeah, book? Yeah. Well, good? and also too the fact that it's all from her point of view, it's a little more um, evocative because you don't know what's happening outside the games and she has to figure out like what's going like she doesn't all those cutaways are like the game master and, and Hamish pulling strings like she has to figure that out when she's in the games so it's a little more there's a little more mystery to things right right because everything is so obvious here I mean those cutaways to poor Stanley Tucci and Toby Jones doing the exposition yeah. announcer stuff yeah. uh, I mean it's it's just so just blunt uh, but I will say that I'm two like two good things came out of this. A Jennifer Lawrence is now suit a huge movie star, which I'm totally fine with. <laughs> right. I mean, you were the one who, when I said, "Oh, she's too old for that role," you were like, "Yeah, but now she'll be this huge success thing. Like, it'll be the best thing that ever happened to her." So she'll good. be able to do more Winter's Bones, hopefully. Yeah. Right. Right. And she's good in the role. Like, she's too old, but I kind of liked how she played Katniss, and she kind of didn't soften her much. And also. Everyone else, I kind of hated. I could like Gail, Gail's supposed to be a rival. Who's Gail? First of all, I don't. Uh, that Hunter guy at the beginning, who 
Oh, right, right. The boyfriend who didn't watch the open. One of the few touches I liked is when they cut to him not watching the TV show, like sitting out in the woods. <laughs> it's like, oh, I kind of don't hate this guy. <laughs> Wait, that made you like him? That made me like I thought that was kind of a decent touch. I mean, at this point, I was pretty aware that the movie was going to be so incredibly clumsy and blunt. So when they do just that quick cut to him sitting in the woods, not watching the show, I was like, okay, that's a decent touch. Uh, there's something I don't think. Yeah. She doesn't know that's happening. So right, because it's all right. Think. right. And the way she, I don't know, it's just more interesting. Like, she makes a lot of clever, she she makes the right calls to stay alive. Like, it's good advice for little girls going to school. <laughs> just get your I, shit together and figure shit out. And, you know, aim straight, young ladies, with your bow. And she's an archer. That's another cool thing I, I liked about the character in the books. was like, it's you don't read many books where the, the main character's an archer. It seems to be a lost art. Uh, I think um, we have to talk about Kevin. That's one. Who's that? <laughs> what? <laughs> they could have used him at the cornucopia. <laughs> uh, that is another book about an archer uh, that was made into a movie with Tilda Swinton. Um, uh, yeah, it's a very obscure reference. Uh, yes, so I, I did like that. Well, I, I will say the other touch that I liked, and Dingus, I'm sorry we're not letting you get in here, get in here in a second. I want to say the second touch that I really liked and I th- I'm convinced that Gary Ross had no idea what he was on to. This seemed completely accidental, but there was one shot of slow-motion archery porn where Jennifer Lawrence has the bowstring pulled back, and it's against her cheek and her lips, and it's right before she shoots the food. Good Lord, that was so hot. <laughs> I mean, I was like, wow, this is sexy. I mean, why couldn't more of the movie done? I mean, it, it, it was just this weirdly just hot, erotic, just sort of lush sequence, uh, just because she's so, like, sort of soft and, and voluptuous. Uh-huh. And uh, just and that, that shot where that bowstring is up against her lip was just incredibly sexy. Yeah. And, and I think it was an accident. I don't think they had any idea. <laughs> they were just like, we're oh, going to okay, Jennifer gonna... Lawrence, give her credit for it. Well, right, but I, I think the filmmakers just like, we're going to make this tense by putting it in slow motion, and they accidentally made it super sexy. Uh, so that was the other touch that I liked. So, Dingus, can you defend this movie? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. So, uh, what made you decide to just start reading the not like? Did you have you resolved to actually read the novels, or what's going on there that you read the first part? Well, I really wanted to read it because uh, you know I bought nine or ten tickets for this three weeks ago because <laughs> my wife's book club was going, and I had to. What they it. think? Um, they all mainly liked it, and they were very forgiving of it, although. Yeah. Uh, the moment uh, um, my wife got home, she just started being mad about the casting. Uh, not Jennifer yeah. Lawrence. She really liked Jennifer <laughs> Lawrence, but but all the pretty boys around her, she didn't I'm like that at all, and she didn't understand why they were given so much screen time. Um, and as we discussed the movie after I saw it, I mean, she it was it was really interesting because she was she was wondering what did. Uh, somebody who didn't know the book get out of it, and what blanks did she fill in having read the book? Um, so, given that they liked this book so much, I decided to start reading it, and it's got a fascinating opening, uh-huh. and it makes me hate the movie all the more. The way that opening hunting scene goes, where she's running out in her hot leather jacket and prancing down the log, not at all caring about the sounds she's making, and the way Gail scares away the best game they're going to get that could feed their families for a year without a moment's notice. <laughs> and nobody cares about this. Yeah. He kills uh, her but, sister, if you think about it. 
I'm making the deer run. Well, yeah, right, exactly. Print. That's exactly true. But the, the book idiot. has this lovely, evocative... It's very evocative of Winter's Bone, which, you know, she's basically playing the same character. Right. Rhea and, ducks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And she's playing Rhea, and Rue played a character named Cat in the last movie she was in, which was Columbiana. Wait. Oh, ha-ha. Um, oh, that's where I've seen her. Thank you, Dingus. You're okay. welcome. Um, but the, the movie has this, I mean, the book has this wonderful opening sequence about her getting this goat cheese from her sister and it's a special thing that she's going to take with her and talking about how careful she is about hunting and right. it just has this feeling like this a sense this, of detail and yeah, of, of survival and the things right. that she's going to be able to do to survive. And this movie doesn't care about any of that. No, it's it cares dumb. about blue hair and white teeth more than anything. Mm. So is all that stuff part of the book? Because I I don't know what they were thinking the way that was shot. Like all that that sort of thing looked ridiculous thirty years ago in A Boy and His Dog when Don Johnson finds the Jason Robards Society where they're wearing all the makeup and stuff. Like I don't know what they were thinking with that. Even Fifth Element, uh, like that sort of thing, just looks ridiculous to me, and it takes me out of a, a movie. Like is that from the book? This idea of powdered yeah, wigs and thick makeup. But she's she's repulsed by it, and she thinks it looks stupid too. And you're thinking, and I thought while I was reading it, oh, they're probably just getting it because they've seen they've seen Fifth Element. Like <laughs> they go, yeah, those are the heroes of the movie, and then they, that's just what their culture's based on. Is like our shitty '80s movies. Like they saw well, Boy and His Dog and went, yeah, fuck Don Johnson. <laughs> just well, all, all of that would be okay in moderation. But Kelly's point, and I think my wife made the same point, is that. The the book is from her point of view, and I wish they had just trusted that. Right. Instead of making us cut back to so much of that other crap. Yeah. They're all from her point of view. It's an awesome book. It's an awesome... I think the third one gets the most flack, and they get progressively more unfilmable. <laughs> Which will be fun, but I have nothing. I wasn't looking forward to this movie at all. I knew it was going to suck, and it sucked worse. I wanted to walk out, and I was kind of mad. That God, I, I did too. I, I was really bored by the time it was. How long was it, by the way? Two and twenty. Are you serious? Are yeah, you freaking kidding ever. me? No. Oh my and, God. And it's a slow two twenty two. Like it felt yeah. like it, I felt every minute of that. Of that. Um, well, kind of picks you that really up. do because the casting is so horrible, and you yeah. feel nothing for anybody. I mean, what a Honestly, what are we supposed to feel for Rue? Are we are we just supposed to? Oh, she's a cute little kid, and we're supposed to feel something. I mean, none of these people look like they've ever been hungry. None of these actors ever look like they've been close to starvation. And this character Rue comes along. I mean, what are we supposed to feel for any of these people? She's a beautiful forest in their dystopia too. Like nothing looks shitty. It's supposed to be grimy and the road esque and like gray and miserable. And it's like, yeah, woo, dear to the. Well, the impression I got, and I don't know if I'm wrong here, again, I didn't, just from the movie, the impression I got, it was only the last numbered districts that were poor. Like, it was like 11, 12 were the poor districts. 11, of course, was the black district, and 12 was the white trash district. But the other districts weren't (laughs) poor like that, and and they could afford to, like, I I got the sense that, well, but it's called Hunger Games for everyone, I guess. So, I I don't know. So, Dingus, I was about to maybe defend the choice to do it that way, but I, I got nothing. Here's some casting though that I will defend, and I thrilled every time. Dingus, do you know? Do you know who caught my eye in this movie? You can probably guess. Who caught your eye? Yeah. Besides I, Lenny Kravitz, he was good. He was. He was actually. He was. I. I hated pretty much everyone. I thought Lenny Kravitz was good, uh, but no, someone specific that that uh, I think all of us on the podcast are fond of. I love Lenny Kravitz. I just want to. I, I want to say that. But yeah. no, I don't know who you're talking about. 
So did no one uh, pick out Isabel Furman from Orphan? Oh, wait, which one was she? The knife? She was, yeah, the knives chick. I think her name was like Chloe or Loey or uh, Lo or something like that. She's already that. that old. Yeah, she's grown up. I mean, you, oh. you know, she was a little tiny girl in Orphan. Then she did Salvation Boulevard with Greg Kinnear. But I find her as an actress absolutely fascinating. Oh, and, she's the one who fought with the You couldn't even tell who was fighting, but. Oh, I know. Okay. No, I picked her out. I, I mean, yeah, yeah she didn't get, she didn't get any lines. She got very little screen time, but my eye went like straight to her. She is great. I love her. And. I was not, like, Jennifer Lawrence, I think, is great, but I didn't get the sense. I mean, she just looked really voluptuous and well-fed, and I don't mean that in any bad way. But I I, I was looking at Isabel Furman and thinking, you know, this character seems to be someone, like, scrappy and driven and not very, who who doesn't look nearly as glamorous. So Isabel Furman, I thought, would have been great in the lead role. She's not a big enough name. But then later when she gets in the fight scene and she's a little sweaty and yelling and going crazy, and, uh, man, I just love Isabel Furman. I, I hope. I, I, I imagine they, of course, she'll get more work out of this as well. Um, but she was great casting, just as, like, here's this woman yeah. trained to be a warrior. Because that's the other thing, that the four, I guess, were there four or three? I thought there were, like, four of the trained warrior types, two of whom looked like uh, clothes, like, gap uh, models. Uh, so yeah. I wasn't buying that. But then Isabel Furman, I mean, she looks like this scrappy gymnast chick. Uh, and she was great casting, I thought. Um well, I was so distracted by why uh, I didn't realize that was her. The, the, when yeah. she's the one that gets in a fight with uh, with her after she gets the special package. Yep, when they're and running for the, the Yep, they're rolling well, around, was, and the District Eleven guy comes up and just basically yeah. uh, bloodlessly kills her by pushing yeah. her. <laughs> he deus machinas, right? Yeah. And he, 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 there's no reason he should know anything about the relationship with Rue. He just suddenly knows. Oh, no, no, she says it. She's taunting Katniss about it unwisely yeah. and not hearing an, an opponent come up right behind her. <laughs> so he comes up to listen. Hey, dudes. let's see what these Whoop. tricks are talking about. <laughs> hey, I hear them perfectly, even though I just ran out. He, I heard, he maybe processes she just all of that. Uh, I think that's in the book, too. But uh, I, did like, I didn't I recognize her at all. That's a good catch, Tom. Yeah, she's fantastic. Uh, so, and another thing, too, and I'm, I don't know what they do with this in the book. So, I presume... Uh, what's her name? Suzanne Collins? Is that the... Yeah. Uh, so I presume, obviously, there's a lot going on here. Like, early on, it's clearly concentration camp, camp imagery. You know, there's this whole idea about fascism, entertainment, whatever. That's that's simple enough. I can go with that. If that's what she wants to do, that's fine. Teenage but girls then, love it. Te- <laughs> the Holocaust is, is a big hit amongst, yeah. uh, amongst tweens. But then, uh, so I'm assuming that the whole thing about District 11 was supposed to be a race riot. Am I correct about that? Not in the books. Not not necessarily, no. I didn't well, know but it was I, black. Okay, so in the book, I didn't know if that was a book thing, but for me, I mean, it clearly looked like that's what they were going for, but they pulled their punch by making it a mixed-race riot. Like, they, they were liberally sp- sprinkling white extras in the riot, which I thought was odd, um, that they're okay, like, riffing on the Holocaust, but they're not okay riffing on the Civil Rights Movement. Uh, so they had to sprinkle a bunch of white people in there. I don't know. Um, Am I reading too much into it? I don't know. Maybe Please I... stop making Gary Ross sound smart enough to know <laughs> there were black people in a riot ever. <laughs> well, they, I mean, they, I mean, come on. They bring out they, – they, they take hoses to them. I mean, that, is, that, is that not clearly a – Dude, that's so deep. I wonder what he's doing. <laughs> well, I think it's true. Teenage girls love hoses. Okay, love so I it. guess in the book it does not Watch become a thing. Things. It's not yeah. a race riot thing. That's not the point of District 11? 
What? What? Wait. What's their thing again? Fish. Dingus. No, you're reading. They're, okay. they're grain. They're basically. The, oh, racist. See, they're farmers. Yeah, they're wheat. Uh, I mean, and, and I think at some point they send a parachute with bread or something to re <laughs> to uh. <laughs> you did. Yeah. So this isn't the real world, right? This is like a fake. Yeah. There are no references to real world cities. Am I right? <laughs> Tom, this is the year 2015 after Sarah Palin. <laughs> well, here's the reason I ask, is I get the sense that it's an it's an alternate universe. However, apparently in this alternate universe, uh, they have Shakespeare because there are references to star-crossed lovers. Oh, no? he made that up. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? You're right. Maybe that's just an obvious choice. The of stars words. were always crossing before yeah. that. Maybe any un- any universe could can combine those words and come up with it. You're right. I shouldn't. I shouldn't credit Shakespeare with that. Uh, yeah. But I wasn't sure. It's. It's not the real. I mean, this is a place where they're tracker jackers and mocking jays, right? This isn't our world. Yeah. I don't know. But they have stars and they don't cross normally. Well, do- Wendy. Wendy claims that they do, that it it does have some sort of. Uh, progression from our world. It's a, ah. I, I specifically asked that because I was. Is, is this? Is this? Does this have anything to do with any history? That sounds that like you not of? wanting to finish the book. To well, <laughs> honey, just tell me what fucking happens. It right? takes a long time for me to read something. I got to be honest. A um, there, a novel written for twelve-year-old girls takes you a long time to read. Aha! Uh-huh. Made a funny reading level. Okay, continue. <laughs> I was going to ask, is there anything that this reminded you of that you thought did the idea of this better? Oh, I'm not a fan of Running Man. I mean, Running Man's a goofy movie. I don't care for that kind of thing. Did you read this book? Uh, I don't read Stephen King. Uh, I liked Battle Royale. Like I, I did like Battle Royale. is very R rated. It's very Japanese. It, it plays a lot more with the concept of like unfair rules. Um, it's you know more willing to be brutal. Oh, I wish I could think of the name, but there's a. I think I've told you guys about it. There's a movie about a, a reality. Uh, no, it's a reality TV uh, gladiatorial combat thing where you have a bunch of like ninjas and assassins and hitmen and, and action stars, whatever. They all converge on a town and they have to kill each other. And there's a reality TV show going around it and they all have little chips in them, which they use to find one another and have their battles. And at one point, someone somehow removes his chip and hides it. It falls in a cup of coffee. And Robert Carlyle plays a drunken priest who drinks the cup of coffee and therefore eats the chip. And now he's got to escape from all these like assassins chasing him in a reality TV show kind of thing. And I wish I could think of the name of it because it actually had some great action sequences and it was funny. But there's that. Uh, what's the, the awful um, the awful Jason Statham, uh, not Road War, what's it called? Oh, uh, Death Race. Death Race. Uh, so no, Dingus, I don't know. Like, what, What's Death something Race. that doesn't suck that this reminded you of? Is it, oh, that's that's, the- is that was your question? Well, early on, um, when they were getting on the train, uh, it made me think of how much I loved Never Let Me Go. And how Never Let Me Go shows this dystopian world where these uh, children are being exploited or used, uh, but doesn't tell you why that's going on. And that's not a commercial movie the way this is, but I love the way that movie doles out its information and the way it is so careful with creating its chemistry between its leads. 
I, I think, if anything, the thing that I would, the closest analog to this movie I can think of that, that didn't suck would be uh, Paul Verhoeven's Starship Troopers, where it's about youth being slaughtered, basically, and it doesn't shy, and, 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 and fascism, and it doesn't shy away from that. Uh, like, that's where I would go to as far as, like, what this reminded me of, but as a PG-13 version of. Uh, why is it going to be PG-13? It's, come on, come on, now see that? like it's for kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, but an R rating means you, you a 13-year-old can see it with a 17-year-old. Well, so for, if, no, that's going to affect the box office, first of all. An R rating is a, is a box office hit one way or the other. And it's like Dingus says, I mean, I, I think the whole idea of this movie, and I, I, I kind of hate to think this because kids can, kids, just because something's for kids doesn't mean it has to suck. Um, but, but I think this is clearly, it's a young adult fiction. It's all about wish fulfillment and self-empowerment and blah, blah, blah. And all that's very positive and great, and I want to support that. But I, I, I just feel the movie sucked. So I don't have any problem with it being PG-13. I just have a problem with it sucking. Well, they are somewhat related, although Gary Ross can suck at any rating, I think. One, two, three, not only really? one, three, got one, eight, 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 I, another Gary Ross. <laughs> Gary Ross doesn't deserve that. I'm really upset right now. Uh, as I was leaving, huge. no. Uh, one of the uh, one of the things I overheard in the audience there was, uh, of course, everyone stuck around for the credits, expecting yeah. a button at the end. I did. they didn't get one, but I did hear uh, uh, a young lady several rows back announcing to her friends, "quote It's like American Idol or something." And oh uh, no. <laughs> See, she's part of the problem. She's going to grow up to be one of the Elizabeth. I heard a little a little girl say that there were some parts that weren't as exciting as the book, but that might be because we already knew they were coming. Oh no! I think she's got a future, though. I, I like that. I gotta have but, girls now so I can raise the correct one. But before my audience cheered for the Avengers uh, trailer, and the girl next to me said, "I love it when things blow up." <laughs> See, I told you they like holocausts. <laughs> Nothing blew up in the Holocaust. Equals Ching. Kelly Wan, I don't know what you think the Holocaust is, but not a lot of stuff actually blew I up. I thought it was a nuclear holocaust. <laughs> I thought they nuked the concentration camps, and that was the problem. Yeah, that was considered inhumane. Like that movie, The Divide. I don't know. I'm not Jewish. The Divide. <laughs> Let's do uh, a three by three. Kelly Wan, what? Oh yes, yes. One last thought. Did you guys see the trailer for the Chris Rock movie with the baby carriages? Oh, Jesus. I know. I just wanted to throw... Okay. Tell me wanted- those, those words that you have just said uh, instill me with, with loathing. A <laughs> Chris Rock movie I know. with a bunch of baby carriages? What? Yeah. At, at ba- yeah. Dingus thought, obviously. Um, yeah, it's about my life, apparently. That's what I'm saying. It's like everything. Yeah, that's the mo- like you're the target audience for that. Like, oh yeah, I used to like Santa Live. I have a baby now. Oh, all right, Dingus, you'll have to let us know how that movie is. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Kelly, one, what is our three by three this week? What, what have you What have you cooked up for us? I'm not happy with the topic or my choices. <laughs> um, it's no fat kids. I'll grant you. It's the three best reaction shots. Although. I think I was starting to see. My idea was that you kid. It wasn't a verbal reaction shot, mm-hmm. but it's all related, it's, isn't it? 
That's not what you said at all, though. What did I say? I can't remember. I can't remember what I just said. What did I just say? And then what did I say before? Never mind. I Let's think, see what I did. think what you yes. intended was moments where somebody goes, huh? But what you uh, said right. was reactions or reaction shots or lines about reactions or lines about that. Well, yeah, I didn't remember. Kelly, one, one of the uh, facets of 3 by 3 is the same as computer programming, and that is namely garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> that was I cruel. I, I don't... <laughs> You're nice to Gary Ross and you're a dick to me. <laughs> Fuck you, Tom. I hope you talk and your mother. What you did not make me sit through two hours and twenty minutes of a young adult fiction. That's sand game so. rules. You're a fool. <laughs> your your original example was about a camel looking at James Bond jump over something. Right, right. So if that's on your list, I apologize. <laughs> That's my point, I think. All right, so we are starting with uh, Dingus. You will be introducing next week's 3 by 3 so start us off. Uh, what is your number three favorite reaction or reaction shot or line about a reaction <laughs> or or camel watching an action set piece? <sighs> I'm going to give you guys a line from it. Yes. And sweet. everything's a reaction shot. That's what I was also thinking. Yeah, that's what makes this so great. Yeah. All right, here's my my number three. What about that guy? I have a different one from that movie, uh, but very good. That's a, a, a little – well, Dingus, go ahead. I don't want to ruin your pick. All right, this is from a movie called Bottle Rocket, and um, the reaction is uh, Dignan, uh, a fellow played by Owen Wilson, is uh, going to rob a bookstore with his friend Anthony, played by Luke Wilson. And Luke Wilson has worked his way into the closed bookstore by saying that his sweater's in there. And the guy lets him in, says, all right, I'll, I'll go check. And then Dignan just tries to walk in, too. And the guy says, wait, we're close. Get over there. And then uh, Owen Wilson says, what about that guy? I just love that reaction. My, my pick from Bottle Rocket, which is my number three, Dingus, so we can we can combine them, uh, is when Future Man, who is the uh, like local bully that they've kind of grown up with, makes fun of Dignan's yellow jumpsuit. Uh, yeah. And and uh, and Dignan's brother Anthony, uh, and then Future Man goes off, and uh, Dignan obviously feels bad. He's insecure. He's been made fun <laughs> of. He's been picked on this guy all of his life, and so Luke Wilson tries to make him feel better by saying, "Yeah, don't listen to him. Did you see what that guy was wearing?" Uh, obviously, to you know, sort of poke fun at what he'd been wearing, which was nothing special. And Owen Wilson's reaction is, "Yeah, it was pretty cool, wasn't it?" <laughs> he just completely misunderstands the intent of Luke Wilson. I just love that exchange between them. There's so many great little bits like that in uh, Wes Anderson movies, and uh, you know, so Bottle Rocket was my number three as well. Well, I almost went with exactly, but exactly doesn't quite work. Yeah. Exactly. Boy, that's uh, and even the, even was... the reaction where uh, when Bob is playing with the gun, I love that. I love that little exchange. <laughs> 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 Uh, all right, so we have two picks. Uh, Kelly Wan, do you have a Wes Anderson movie in your 3 by 3 this week? No, but in Starsky and Hutch, I kind of liked when Owen Wilson is showing Starsky his uh, his undercover car, and it's like a camper, and Starsky's all, Ugh. and then Owen Wilson goes, no, you don't, you don't like the camper? <laughs> that was a good so, uh, haha, you saw Starsky and Hutch. Uh, it had cars in it. You know me and my uh, auto fetish. 
Well, what is your number three? And did Based it have on the cars movie in Crash. It? Oh. And, and can you give us a line from it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll do the line. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, well, I guess now he's not. <laughs> the laugh is me, by the way, not part of the acting. Um, and crash. scene. Wait, what? <laughs> no. Crash. Crash doesn't have any good reactions. That would imply it has a good shot at all. So, no. I give up. You've stumped me. It's fun me to listen it. to people well guess. See? I guess you're not a fan of Groundhog Day. Uh. Uh, I have not seen uh. it in forever. I've been told I should. but uh, So there's a reaction side of that that you like. Yeah, well, after Bill Murray commits suicide and drives off a cliff, uh, Chris Elliott comforts Andy McDowell by going, he's he's okay, he's he's all right, and then it, and then the truck explodes, and then he goes, well, I guess now he's probably not, and then Bill Murray wakes up. I kind of like that because we know that um, <laughs> we're not in Bill Murray's point of view anymore, or are we? Sounds like source code. Hate you. <laughs> Dingus, what is your number two pick for a reaction, reaction shot, line about a reaction, or camel watching a car chase? <laughs> Fruit carts. Kelly said he intended this to just be not lines. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, that's my only... All right, no, it's not. Forget what I just was about to say. One right. of mine doesn't have a line in it and is therefore... Not broken. So let's see if you guys even come up with one. All right, here's the line from my number two. Right. <laughs> we'll make up your mind before we get to 437 River Street. I like this line more than I like most of your lines, but I don't think I've seen this movie. All right, here's the here's the response to that line. Before we get where, Charlie? Oh, it's going to be a Midnight Run reference, isn't it? Uh, he just picks his favorite. This is a terrible topic. Terrible well, topic. Who picked this? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I did. I'm not a good topic. <laughs> I shouldn't be allowed to do it more. Because it's just Dingus going to do his favorite movie. Like, best parts of Midnight Run, Bottle Rocket, Rushmore probably is number one. So, Dingus, this is Midnight Run. Did we get it? Because when you say Charlie, I'm assuming that it's Charles Grodin. No? No, no, you're wrong. <laughs> Wait, I like Tom's... Free association that the character had. <laughs> actor. And therefore, it was that movie. No, it's it's from a movie called On the Waterfront. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> Jeez. That's, so that, my whole speech, Dingus listened to in silence, is now null and void. What a dick. Yep, that's how I roll. All right, so it's the uh, it's the scene with uh, with Marlon Brando and Rod Steiger in the back of the car. As uh, as Rod Steiger's taking him to uh, what should be his doom, um, and uh, Charlie, I'm sorry, Terry Terry Malloy's finding out that his brother has sold him down the river, is really getting the full epiphany of this, and th- and the reaction shot is right after after his brother Charlie has said that line I just said about well make up your mind before you get to 437 River Street, and the way Marlon Brando plays this, I love his reactions. There's so many. Little moments I could have picked from this scene. The moment where he says that, or the, or the moment where Charlie pulls the gun and how Brando reacts to the gun first with this, what the fuck? And then this sadness, and then the moment of wow. I mean, just watching Brando's reaction, that moment after, um, 
his brother has said that River Street line. I love that reaction. It's his reaction to that moment where you just see the character. I mean, that's what's so brilliant about Brando. You see the character just going, oh, I love that reaction. Uh, that sounds like a serious pick, Dingus. I'm a little confused. Uh, I apologize. Tom, have you seen that movie? No, it's black and white. Why would I see that? I didn't see it because I don't see movies with, with the titles of location. I like that. Mm, good point. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I've seen that. I, uh, it's, Why does the streetcar even have a name is my fucking question. <laughs> how are you going to catch it otherwise? Yeah, they got to keep them straight. Uh, they give each one a name, and that for yeah, that's they how that works. Don't they have numbers? Shouldn't it be a streetcar named eight three four six two? And why would street? it? Why would a cat be on a, a roof if it's hot? Like I don't understand. Why doesn't the cat go somewhere else? Why is that cat darned instead of damned? <laughs> why? <laughs> why does yes. the Why did the shaggy dog become a district attorney? What's going on with that? I don't understand how he because he went parlayed. to law school. Go on. Finish that, that sentence. I, I'm just listening. I mean, he had to go to law Dog school. Dog went to law school, yes. And at what point does he become a district attorney? I don't understand any of that. Thanks for running my well, mind. Why would you just make a menagerie out of wood? I mean, that would protect all the menageries. Right, exactly. You wouldn't break off the little unicorn horn. I mean, what you're just asking for trouble if you make it out of something frail like that. Yeah. Isn't every menace phantom if you go back far enough? All right, Kelly Wan, you lose by going to Star Wars first. <laughs> Therefore, that's 10 points win. off of your score. <laughs> Did Gary Ross win or lose this weekend? <laughs> All right, my number two. You guys ready for a uh, a line? Yes. What about what's his name? <laughs> Why don't you give him a call? What for? Ask him about his house. You want me to call what's his name and ask him about his house? Why not? Is this fucking... Uh, hold on, hold on, Kelly Wine. You're interrupting the scene. Oh, my I'm God. Oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Back to positions. <laughs> Uh, I don't over. think I don't think Dingus is going to get the next line anyway. So there's a brief exchange in With Nail and I where the two characters yeah. are talking past each other. Uh, neither knows what the other is talking about, but it's not stopping the, the conversation from progressing. And finally, Richard E. Grant just sort of his shoulders slumps, his shoulders slump, and he says, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And and to just hear Richard E. Grant say, "What the fuck are you talking about?" That's a that's just that's the quintessential Richard E. Grant there. His reaction to Paul McGann in uh, With Nail and I. So there's my number two, With Nail and I. Which, uh, the scene would have gone flawlessly if you hadn't interrupted it, Kelly Wan. Nice work. Mm. Yeah, can't I, can't believe, I can't believe you imagine I wasn't going to get that. I've been off book with <laughs> for that for, since the Rum Diaries. <laughs> Kelly Wan, we're not going to let you on the set anymore. Uh, Security? Uh, I love this. I love this pick. By the way, that's awesome. Oh uh, God, that's such a great look. Damn, the, the I very, didn't even think of it. Yeah, and, and remember too, uh, Dingus. You and I once in front of our, our friend Jason Siner were just playing that scene over and over again, just giggling like schoolgirls at it, but also giggling at the fact that Jason Siner didn't appreciate. It. He did not understand why that scene was funny to us. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing quite like showing someone that scene and. They're like, what? I don't understand. I, I mean, maybe you need to see the whole movie. I, I don't know. But uh, I was just so tickled at Jason having no idea why that scene was brilliant. Um, uh, so. Maybe it just doesn't get the British timing thing. It's very British. It's very late 60s. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it's oh, so I love that one. I love that pick so much. I can't believe you have a number one that's better than that. 
How can uh, you possibly have one that's better than that? Damn we it. Might, we might have the same number one pick, because I'm, I'm picking. If, if you haven't chosen what I picked for my number one dingus, you're going to wish you had. Well, I, know, that? I know I don't have the same number one. You're going you're gonna, to... Uh, Make fun of mine. Uh, it's one, oh, but, but it's one I've oh, won, Rushmore one. One I've it? loved for twenty years. But, um, <laughs> but oh, I can't believe you got this one. That's great. All right, Kelly one. Let's see you top that. What do you got in your number two spot? Oh, this is my only good one. Okay. Spoiler alert for number one. Uh, remember that uh, chick with braces in Brazil? Hey, I was going to pick that too. I guess we've talked about that before, though. But that's a great one. <laughs> Who is that actress? She did the best acting ever. The range of expression that passes yeah. her face within the space of like three seconds is is absolutely brilliant physical comedy. So explain the scene. We've, uh, I, I think, we're Jonathan Price is uh, Sam Lowry. Isn't that his name? Uh, I think yeah, that's yeah. Salt. This. See, this joke could just work in any movie, though, and you never see this character again. But isn't he? I think he's getting set up with her by his mom or somebody's mom, and then uh, he has to go to the bathroom. Am I totally misremembering every single thing I've mentioned so far? I think you're. you're there's way too much detail here. So it's, yeah, it's just, Jonathan they're just ordering. They're just well, ordering. I you want to know why he's tripping. It seemed very. He's important. just walking past. He's walking in front of a girl, and he sort of stumbles over her feet, and she's. Uh, and they, they, she just has this range of expressions across her face from annoyance to acceptance to resignation to pain. Uh, yeah, it's just a, it's an awkward sort of set. Uh, uh, he's being set up on a date moment. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, she's snarling under her breath as he leaves the shot, too. Like yeah. She's still not letting it go. And then we never see her again. She's, she's way better than Kim Greist. I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. But uh, all okay. right, Brazil's a good pick. Very good, Kelly Wand. Uh, this is I, you know what I actually meant to swap this in for my uh, for my number three. So what? Uh, the Brazil girl. Right. Yeah, I totally uh, meant to use that, but I think oh, it's the biggest laugh in the movie. Not that there's a lot of laughs in the last twenty minutes, but well, it is the closest maybe to slapstick. Although I, I think maybe I don't know. Are there slapsticky moments in Brazil? I'm just trying to. Did Tom Stoppard write that? Like. Girl with braces snarls <laughs> under breath at Lowry. Or did that chick totally improvise that? That's got to be. So yeah, no, that's got to be an actor's yeah. skill. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. All right, Dickus, so what do you have that can top that? What's your number one pick for your favorite reaction? Reaction line, reaction shot, or camel reaction? All right, here's the line that starts the scene I'm talking about. All right. I'll be out directly. Huh. Oh, yeah, just someone who's in the restroom and someone knocked on the restroom when they're in there. Does the does the scene open with someone going "Occupado, pal"? No. I think I think it does. I think this is someone in a restroom stall. Somebody tries to come in on the person, and the person reacts to that and then says, "I'll be out directly." I think that's what your scene is. No, my scene is a guy who's about to go in and do a robbery in a convenience store, and he says, "I'll be out directly." Oh, midnight run. What? I don't know. I'll this be, is your your least favorite Coen Brothers movie, Tom. Oh, the Lady Killers. Stop it. <laughs> uh, so this is my favorite reaction shot of all time, and it is from the movie Raising Arizonas, and um, it is during the cha- the awesome chase scene in Raising Arizona. And I remember having this uh, reaction the first time I saw it, and every time I saw it with my friends thereafter. And it's the moment after H.I. Uh, McDonough has run through the streets and hijacked a pickup truck and run through somebody's house and run into a grocery store and picked up a new 
set of Huggies, and he runs down another aisle, and the aisle, the end of the aisle explodes, and he looks up, and the manager, whoever's looking over, is breaking down his double-barrel shotgun, since he's just shot at H.R. McDonough, too. And Nicolas Cage just gives this look back, this great reaction look, this this mixture of, uh, really, and, oh, man, and the fuck, and, oh. It's just this, it's this beautiful reaction. This guy has, he's like, don't I have enough to contend with? And instead of this manic look, it's just this, oh man. And that's my favorite. It's enough to, yeah, like, it's enough to remind a fella that Nicolas Cage can be a great actor, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, that's your least favorite Coen Brothers movie, Tom? Uh, no, so we have this sort of, uh, it's not really a running gag. Uh, it's just, like, if you were to ask someone, what is your favorite Coen Brothers movie? That's like a personality test. You can tell a lot about somebody by what their favorite Coen Brothers movie is. And, and, I, cruelty. and I have contended, and this is only halfway seriously, that anybody who picks Raising Arizona is, is shallow and superficial. Or it's the only one they've seen, <laughs> which is another way of... But that's that means you're shallow and right. superficial. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I don't mean that seriously. Uh, but I just feel that there are far more uh, interesting, meaningful, hearty uh, Coen Brothers movies. <laughs> if anyone says my favorite Hitchcock movie is The Thirty Nine Steps, then you'll know. Ah, yeah. a reference to This Means War, isn't that? Wait, no, wait. Is that what that is, Kelly Wand? What? Isn't that isn't that the that's scene in This Means War with Chris Pine and Reese Witherspoon? Yeah, I remember who was in it. That's not the part I'm going what the fuck about. Like, wait, what the fuck? Who was in that movie? It's what the fuck are you talking about? 39 Steps. Don't numbers. they have a scene where, where, they're, the cast? where they're talking about 39 Steps? And and doesn't he recommend that to her? And she's like, oh, that's a pedestrian pick. Or am I misremembering that scene? Let's get Dingus in here. He remembers everything Dingus. about every movie we've ever get seen. Get Wendy in here. Show Dingus, that's a great catch, Tom. That's really great. When See? they're in the video store together. That's really See, great. Kelly Wan? See? I gave, hey, my favorite Spielberg movie is Hook. I gave you far too much credit for what I thought was an obscure, clever reference, and it turned out that I'm the only one who knew what I thought you were talking about. <laughs> you know what, though? Dark Star is kind of, in a way, John Carpenter's best movie, and that's the first one. So that's his Raising Arizona. So maybe the Raising Arizona apologists are geniuses. There's another good one, though. Like, ask somebody, what's your favorite John Carpenter movie? That's not quite, you don't get quite as wide the spread as you get with the Coen brothers. But that's What if they say, my favorite Harrison Ford movie is Cowboys and Aliens? Ouch. Ooh, I don't think anybody would ever say that. What if Harrison Ford tells you his favorite Raiders movie is Crystal Skull? Well, first of all, I don't trust a word Harrison Ford says. <laughs> he doesn't think that Deckard was an alien, or a... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Replicant. Replicant. Uh, Harrison Ford knows diddly squat about the movies he's been in. No, there's, a, wrote, there's a great reaction shot in Crystal Skull, though. He wrote, yep. I love, he wrote, I know, the line I know, and to win Princess Please, yeah, yeah, and, and the USS Indianapolis speech was improvised. Uh, uh, Dick, what's the reaction shot in, in uh, Crystal Skull? There can't be a great reaction shot in that. There can't be anything even remotely great in that movie. What George Lucas wrote the Let me just say, it's not by humans, but it does involve a refrigerator. Is it the refrigerator's reaction to George Lucas? <laughs> it's how the refrigerator reacts to radiation. What? It, aren't there some little prairie dogs? Oh, the prairie dogs. Yeah, you know what? I'll I'll see you that dingus, and I'll raise you a Doberman reaction shot in Hugo. Oh, you win. 
<laughs> All right. Well, speaking of winning, here's my number one, and this is where I briefly entertained taking the three by three seriously this week. But uh, it would have involved thinking of more like the uh, more reaction shots like this one. Uh, and this is one we actually all talked about when we did the podcast for Take Shelter, and that is Jessica Chastain's reaction to Michael Shannon's big climactic scene in a veteran of the foreign wars banquet scene. Uh, I don't want to say too much about it, but uh, it's this uh, it's this startlingly subversive moment uh, that has everything to do with why that movie is fantastic. Uh, so Jessica Chastain's reaction to Michael Shannon and Take Shelter. Uh, thanks what do you for bringing the room down. <laughs> well, yeah. Kelly Wan, now you can bring us up. Uh, number one, I'm guessing it's something from Zapped or, I don't know, Goonies. Uh, what do you got for us for your number one pick for a reaction by a camel or a spit take or uh, what, what have you? Uh, did you see that movie Used Cars? Yes. Okay. Oh, I, I, and all I remember about it is the scene where the girl's dress is caught in the hood, early Robert Zemeckis, and Kurt Russell raises the hood, and that was one of my early adolescent uh, first viewings of, I think, isn't there toplessness in that scene? I just remember uh, that, that instance of nudity. I don't remember that. Yes. Yeah, so Wait, the uh, female lead? No, I think the I think the gimmick, as near as I can remember, is that he's shooting a commercial for his used car lot. Right, and right. There's a woman who's got her dress caught in the hood, and he's kind of playing with the camera, saying, "Hey, should we open the hood? Should we look at what's in there?" And she's like, "No, no, my dress is caught. Don't do that. No." And he finally raises the hood, and it rips her dress off. And isn't even like Lenny or Squiggy or one of the guys? Yeah, Squiggy is. is the no, no, they both are. They both are. Okay. So you know what? I'm remembering a lot now that you brought it up. I'm remembering a lot more than I realized about used cars. Um, I think that movie rules, although my favorite Spielberg movie is probably The Terminal, now that you mentioned it. Uh, but anyway, uh, in used cars where they're, Lenny and Squiggy uh, hijack President Carter's speech to do a commercial from the rival Jack Warden twins used car lot, and they do a commercial where um, one of the guys, the superstitious character, remember him? I forget that guy's name. <laughs> He's like a cowboy, and he's shooting the windshields of the cars out with a rifle, and going, "That's too fucking high." And at one point, the black dude, they're the lovably slow-witted black dude who falls asleep with the blowtorch during the movie, comes out with a cape and jumps and capers around in one of the cars, and his uniform says "High Prices" on it. And the sheriff character shoots him in the chest with the shotgun, and he like slowly like does death scene all the way down the hood. Like really long, and then the superstitious guy goes, "Jesus Christ!" Like by his acting. So uh, I now know what it's like when someone hears a Kelly Wan synopsis for a movie they haven't seen. <laughs> Wait, you saw it? What is the actual reaction that you're talking? About? Yeah. <laughs> Can you hear that? Uh, I hear one of your cats. He, uh, you need He's to go. Something. Yeah, you need to go in there and see what's going on. But yeah, what is the actual reaction shot? Oh, so just his face. After right. he gets shot? Who's no, face? after the shooter the shooter character, not the black guy. Okay, he's wearing, shooter he's wearing a mask on his face, so his reactions doesn't matter. Okay. All right, so that's Kelly Wan's favorite reaction of all time. <laughs> so uh, no one... Movie. Uh, yeah, I, I almost did just pick great, like, Take that. you know... Brody popping up into frame when he first sees the shark. I almost picked stuff like that, but then it was just going to be me doing my favorite movies. And uh, Fuck you with Nail and I. <laughs> you know, uh, when uh, at dinner tonight, uh, Wendy asked, what, what's the three-way three? And I told her, and she goes, like Jaws? 
That was ah, fun. very good, man. Your wife it too. Yeah. And I said, well, well, what what moment? And she just goes, oh, when you see a shark and you go, ah. Uh, <laughs> well, if she puts it that way. Wait a minute. <laughs> and, and I and then I described, well, there's a great the great reaction shot from that movie and what I what I expected you two to pick. And I described it. You know, you're going to need a bigger boat. And my son, who's seven, sat up and went, oh, because his favorite cartoon on TV and mine is Phineas and Ferb. And he goes, Oh, there was this moment in Phineas and Ferb. And there are these two kids who make all these inventions and they made a mechanical shark that attacked this huge ship. And, uh, their, and their sister like catches them. And then Phineas goes, we're going to need a bigger shark. Uh, And so he goes, that's where they must've gotten this for my cartoon. And once again, they got it wrong because as Kelly Wan got wrong and as Dingus corrected, it's not we're going to need a bigger boat or we're going to need a bigger shark. It's you're going to need a bigger boat. Right, so, exactly. he's on board it. So there goes all of Phineas and Ferb's credibility uh, as far as riffing on 70s cinema. Nice work, Phineas and Ferb. Thanks, Phineas and Ferb. And Brody's Ferb. knowledge of Quint's uh, income worth, like he doesn't have two boats. He might. Maybe that that little that little buddy, his little Quisling or whatever, his Quasim or not, uh, his little Peter Laurie like character who stays back at the at the the shark jaw. Sits with the boy, real boat uh, and he yeah, takes, yeah. Out, he <laughs> takes <laughs> out the backup boat to go kill Jaws with the sheriff. Right. Yeah. I don't need the big one for this. What is that guy's name, by the way? Quint's little helper. Who is that guy? What's his name? That'd be a great. Uh, He's got to be credited. It's Marvel. Marvel or Glimmer. I don't believe Dingus for a second. I think, I think Dingus Tom, is. I think Dingus is still in Phineas and Ferbland, right? <laughs> yeah. but, um, Dingus, take us out. Yeah. I just want to know what character Wendy's thinking of, who goes ah in Jaws. I, that would be Lorraine Gary. Oh, you know who that would be? That would be the chick with the little headscarf on, who's like, "There's, there's, there's a shark. There's a shark in the pond. There's a shark." <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? Can you see the woman with the headscarf on? Yeah, I don't. I didn't understand that because I was. I was like, wait, there's a pond too. The pond's for old ladies, Kelly Wand. But how does it get into the pond from the ocean? Uh, they were. It's a, it's like a little, it's an estuary. I don't know. And they call it the pond. I think it's, it's an archipelago. <laughs> it's an isthmus. <laughs> uh, all right, Dingus, get us out of here. What is next week's yeah, three by sorry. three? What what do you got for us? All right, the, this uh, is inspired by the movie we just saw this week, The Hunger Games. And this is your favorite uh, wound management moment. Ah, good. See, Kelly Wan, see what happens when you put your, your mind to coming up with a cool 3 by 3 I already got a great one that I know you guys haven't seen. I can't wait to bring it up. Very nice, Dingus. Uh, uh, you know what? Oh, do we have questions? I, Kelly Wan and I both basically had a minor orgasm at this one, so I think we're all excited about it. Dingus, is there anything you need to clarify or take off the table? I don't think so now. Um, I'm taking The Hunger Games off the table because it has wound management by magical uh, means. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm hoping you won't go into hospitals and use doctors, but you can do what you want. I'm really looking for field things, but wound management. Go for it. Okay. Yeah, so uh, no, no parachutes ex machina. Maybe. Yeah. All right, but otherwise. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, Kelly Wan, don't say anything because you're going to ruin a great pick, I'm sure. I ruin a lot of things by saying anything. <laughs> don't Not speak. just picks. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm doing a reaction shot right now. It totally made the list. You looked totally like that camel ah. and never say never again. Awesome. No, what? Oh. 
Isn't that I don't know. You mentioned some camel and James Bond. I don't. Is there a camel in the Living Daylights? I don't remember any of this, Kelly Wand. Uh, uh, at any rate, buzzer and Ishtar. That was that was. So Kelly, yeah, save that Kelly Wand for the three by three of camel scenes. Um, <laughs> don't you uh, say that, but it can happen. It could happen. So next week, uh, speaking of camels, uh, we'll be seeing Wrath of the Titans. Hmm. No, we're not. Are we? Well, I, do you have a better idea? Yeah. Aren't no, we? all right. Yeah, I, I have no desire to, but, uh, you know, I, I'm i willing to take the bullet. I'm willing to do it for you, our listeners. And so is Kelly Wand, and so is Christian uh, Dingus here. Uh, wait, really? You, Kelly Wand, you were the one who was all, oh, the, the trailer looks awesome. These things fall yeah. out of the sky. And That's how I talk. <laughs> wait wait go on i said things fall out of the sky and i went ah and then what <laughs> no you loved that bit where these uh i don't know these four-armed things come down like meteorites and then unroll they look like the things in a battleship which i'm sure we'll also have to see this summer uh they they there are these balls that fall out of the sky and they unfurl and they chop things with their swords you love that in the trailer you told me well i do want to see how the story is resolved this could be. Is this a trailer? Flash the Titans in on a real cliffhanger. I think he no. just wandered away down the beach. Is Jim Arterton in this one? Nope. No Jim Arterton. No. What? After how, all that? Well, yeah. How about that? See what you've gotten us into? Uh, Kelly, one. Did you ever see? Did you ever see the disappearance of Alice Creed? I saw her when she was still a pure, and and then. Afterwards, I didn't see her after she disappeared. Now, <laughs> well, the uh, uh, well, I, I won't spoil it. But if you if you want to see some good Jim Arditon, and I'm not being prur- I'm not being prurient, uh, see disappearance of Alice Creed. Uh, so uh, you know what? See that in Wrath of the Titans, and then it will be as if Jim Arditon had been in Wrath of the Titans. Is it like Last House on the Left, Jim Arditon? Because I don't want to see her all scraped up and shit. I know you like that stuff, but I kind of Last like... House on the Left. Good Lord. No, I'm the one who's like, I, I go straight to the source and just watch Virgin Spring. Forget Last House on the Left. Screw that junk. Uh, Virgin Spring all the way. Huh. Because it's based on, Last House on the Left is based on Virgin Spring. And yeah, I don't Wait, recommend... is that Ingmar Bergman? Oh, no, it's not. You know what? I am conflating I Spit on Your Grave and Last House on the Left. And I don't even think I've seen both of those. I've seen one of them, and they're both reprehensible as far as I... Oh, okay, Here's here you go, Kelly Wand. I have seen the original I Spit on Your Grave. That's a remake of Virgin Spring. It's it's awful. And then I've seen the remake of... No, I thought you said Last House on the Left was. What's the one where Garrett Dillahunt gets his head blowed up in a microwave? Is that I Spit on Your Grave or Last House on the Left? Anyway, I don't recommend any of them, the remakes or the originals. Just go go straight to the source. Read see, the book. See Virgin Spring, and you're good. Yeah. So, uh, how do we get off on that? All right, so... Uh, get it? Wrath of the Titans next week. Join us for that, oh, as well as uh, our 3x3 three three for wound management sequences. Mm. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Mo- Molardowski. It's Christian Morosky. Mm, I don't think so. Uh, and uh, Kelly Wand. Tom, you got fired from California Sweet. Give me some hot macaroni and cheese. Give me some mozzarella. Give me some bologna, salami, and ham. Toast with butter and strawberry jam. I love it when the food is Oh, now I get it. Put a burger on the plate and it'll hit. Is that the lyrics? Is that the lyrics?
The lyrics are very important, Kelly Wan. I see now. I'm always paying attention to the melody and never the words. <laughs> That's how I hope people read my writing. They don't pay attention to the words. Just the, the white backdrop. Oh. Hey, guys, am I our Gale? <laughs> Dingus, did you blow up the food?